0: Hello Marketeers, welcome to another episode of AEC Marketeer Podcast, exploring AEC marketing and beyond. I'm your host, Keelan Cox, and I'll be exploring marketing trends and answering your most pressing questions to help you thrive as an AEC Marketeer. Hello Marketeers. On this week's episode of the AEC Marketeer podcast, I'm doing a recast of an interview I had done about a year ago with Damien Morris about building your personal brand. Since then, his bio has been updated, so I'm just gonna give you a quick rundown here. He is a marketing manager for PCL Construction California Buildings District, where he leads the marketing strategy and activities for PCL's largest and fastest growing district at $1 billion in annual revenue. Damien is a CPSM past president of SMPS LA and a contributor to The Marketer Online. Welcome, Damian.
1: Thank you for having me, Keelan. I'm super That's excited good. to be here.
0: I think the best way to start this off because we're going to be talking about personal brand is to give a little background on how you and I know each other, know of each other. So, I'll just start by saying that I met Damien through SMPS. I had seen him at a few conferences, such as PRC. I think I've seen you at Built Business a few times. And I've always noticed that, number one, Damien, you are extremely sharply dressed. (laughs) You are probably one of the best dressed people in the room, no matter what room you're in, which I love, I think my first interaction with you was (laughs) asking if I could take a picture of you because you were in this gorgeous red suit and I was planning my wedding and I (laughs) wanted my husband to wear something similar. I also noticed that anytime I was in a session that you were in, you always asked these really insightful questions and you sort of wouldn't let people off the hook if they didn't answer your question or if they tried to sort of skirt around an answer. And I really love that as well. Now you're the president of the SMPS LA chapter. So I was president of the Orange County chapter when your manager, Fawn, was president of the LA chapter. So it's sort of a, I mean, small world, but that's sort of how I know of you. And because of that, I see you as a person with a very strong personal brand. So before jumping into your story, could you briefly explain what a personal brand is and why it's important in today's
1: world? Well, I think Jeff Bezos, you know, man's built in an incredible unrivaled company, Amazon. But the way that he simplifies The expression personal brand or branding, really. He says it's it's what people say about you when you're not in the room. And in today's hyper competitive world, your brand, your reputation, whatever you want to call it, the experience that people have when they do business with you, when they interact with you, when they talk to you, all of that is just a manifestation of your brand. So I don't think it needs to be any more complicated than that. It's just like decide who you want to be, decide how that person would act and then act like that, even when it's really hard. That's what I think a personal brand is.
0: Perfect. So being an individual with an extremely clear personal brand, I know it hasn't always been that way for you, and you have a really interesting story. Could you maybe explain a little bit of your background and what brought you to this
1: point? Sure. I guess my story starts at childhood, just like everyone else's, right? And I was born to a single mother. By all accounts, I should have been a statistic. She's biracial. And when she was growing up in the late 60s in Cincinnati, Ohio, her father died. My grandfather died when she was 13 years old. And a couple days later after his death, my mother's mother, my grandmother, literally just packed up her home and moved away and she left a note and she said, I'm sorry, like I can't raise two biracial children, you know, in the South, you know, air quotes South, it was Ohio, in the late 60s by herself and she moved away and married another man and had a whole new family. And that trauma absolutely covers generations. And so my mother was incredibly hardworking. She didn't have anything given to her because, you know, she was abandoned as a 13-year-old and she carried that into her parenting for me. She wanted to make sure that I always felt loved and supported and that, you know, education was really important. She sent me to really really good schools. She absolutely a bootstrap individual. When I was born, she was a security guard and now she's a senior executive at a very large banking institution. So, she's always been my inspiration and really reinforced the importance of just knowing what you want and going for it. But of course, like all things, like parents make mistakes, and what she didn't anticipate was that putting me around white children, predominantly white children, for a large part of my life would ultimately cause identity issues, right? Because I would be one of three or four students of color in a population of 900 white students. And that caused teasing, right? That caused feeling excluded. You know, I would go to school and... I'm not an athlete or I never was an athlete. I was like very much a Steve Urkel kind of kid growing up. And so I would go to school and I wouldn't really fit in. And then I would go home to my community in a different part of town. And I wouldn't really fit in there. Even my family members would like laugh at me and call me Oreo, black on the outside, white on the inside. And that just gave me a feeling of always stuck in between. And I talked to my mother about it. And we were were very close. And she would tell me, you know, baby. You are a black man and living in white America, like the only way that you're going to make something of yourself is if you understand how to move through their world. So just get so good that no one can ignore you. And, you know, this was 20 years ago, and I still remember that conversation very clearly. So that's what I did. I just really made being a learner and being an achiever a really big part of my identity because it gave me a sense of belonging. I would Make sure that instead of standing out for looking different, I would be the best dressed man in any room. And people would have no choice but to acknowledge me and to see me. And then I would just hone my craft, whether it was at school, working really hard to produce the best grades that I could, studying my craft now as a certified professional services marketer. Whatever I'm going to do, I want to be the absolute best that I can be. And really, that's what my brand is. Like, I'm just going to give you a lot of dynamic energy. I'm going to always be growth oriented. I love feedback. I think that I'm pretty easy to manage in that way. Whatever I'm doing, I'm going to be as excellent as possible with it. And then I'm going to look good while doing it. (laughs) And that's really how I've stood out. I mean, in a short five years, I've gone from being a novice in the industry to being a chapter president of one of the largest chapters. I've got to attribute that to definitely my hard work. But Also, the people that I have attracted around me, you know, you mentioned my boss, Fawn, she has been a a fantastic mentor for me. And now being at PCL Construction, I'm just surrounded by a lot of fantastic, growth-minded individuals. And, you know, you become the average of the people that you spend the most time with. So I'm interested in being around the best of the best.
0: How do you think the adversity you faced outside of the professional space has affected your performance for the better in your current
1: work? I think that it's made me a pretty tenacious person. I can be kind of like a dog with a bone, whether it's asking a question or trying to get a job that I want or trying to achieve a goal. I'm just going to be super dogged and look forward. I'm kind of like a horse with a blinders, right? That doesn't always serve me, but more times than not, it does. I think that anyone who has an experience where they don't feel like they belong, they don't feel like they fit in, or they feel like, well, the road to whatever it is that they're striving for has been longer than the average career path there is a fire inside those individuals. I feel like I get it with women in construction, right? Because in some ways we're natural allies. I am a gay black man of color in construction. So I kind of identify with the struggle of being kind of like the the odd person out. I just identify with them because I know to get into a position, like we have our vice president here, she oversees, you know, 400 plus employees, include San Diego and Orange County and Los Angeles doing over a billion dollars in business a year in revenue. And she is a gorgeous blonde woman. And it's just, for me, not only is she super bright, right? Like whenever I'm in meetings with her, she asks amazing questions and she has a way of commanding the room, but it's not lost on me that her journey to the top, it had to be tough, right? It had to be, full of adversity it had to be full of jumping over hurdles being so good that when they're talking about promotion you know that you're being looked at under a microscope and for me i think that's awesome when someone's not given something when someone is promoted based on what they've done rather than their potential i just that really speaks to me and having struggled the way that i struggled just like everyone does right everyone has their struggles as a child and you spend your entire life trying to untangle those. But I do think that people that face adversity early on life, they just, there's something in, in their spirit and their attitude that can't be shaken. And I really, I really appreciate that. I would not change a thing about my life.
0: Absolutely. What tips would you give someone looking to start shaping their own personal brand?
1: Everyone's a bit different, right? And it really comes down to figuring out what you want to be, who you want to be. But there are some universal truths. First, I would say put yourself together. RuPaul always says that, you know, most famous drag queen in the world. And he says put yourself together because people respond to it. And it has nothing to do with you. It has to do with the narrative that's already implanted in people's consciousness. So wear a suit. You don't want to swim upstream. You want to work with what people already know and you can use that tool to get really whatever you want out of this life. I would also say really think through what you're hoping that your life and your career will look like. What do you want to do in the long term? Who do you want to be in the long term? And then figuring out the best way to get there. You know, whatever the goals are, the the big, hairy, audacious goals, whatever they are, find ways for you to break them down into small daily, weekly, monthly tasks. So figure out what you want to do, who you want to be, figure out how that person would act, who, who that person surrounds themselves with, You know what words do they use. If you want to be a good leader, read everything you can about leadership and apply those lessons. How do leaders look at challenges? How do they communicate? How do they act? And then do that. And that's the hard part. It's the action. Taking what you just read and a, the lessons to your life if you just read about it you're never going to really get the value of what the lessons inside the book so get messy get dirty try things ask questions you mentioned uh, that i have a way of asking questions and if i'm going to ask a question and i don't feel like the person's really giving me the answer this isn't a really good exchange for either of us and that goes the other way if, if one of my employees asks me a question i want to make sure that you fully understand because I feel like a big part of my job is to teach and you get better at your craft by teaching someone else. So it's kind of a long-winded answer. I'd really have to know what you're trying to achieve, but really it's just figure out where you want to be and breaking down that long-term plan into small manageable bites.
0: One of the things that I've actually noticed about people who I see as having a very strong brand is they also have very clear boundaries and Boundary setting is something that I've personally found pretty difficult. I'm sort of being forced into it now because I'm working from home. I have to establish a boundary between work and my life. What are some boundaries that you have and how have you established them?
1: That's an excellent question, Keelan. I'm a big fan of boundaries. And I think it really comes down to communication, right? If we're talking about work boundaries, because I know that in this industry, there's often the churn and burn of marketers, right? There are just proposal after proposal after proposal, and there's just like the stack on your desk doesn't ever get any shorter, right? And people are like, okay, well, I'll work late today. I'll work late tomorrow. Actually, you know, maybe I'll just come in on Saturday and no shade to them, not a judgment. That's just not how I work my job is important, it's a big part of my fulfillment, my career is really important to me, but I have many spheres of my life and I'm doing myself a disservice and my relationship a disservice and my happiness a disservice if I let one area of my life completely dominate the other. So like if I was just being incredibly unhealthy and just eating and eating and eating and never working out, the health area of my life would eventually start to bleed into the other areas of my life. So I'm just very candid. And it's a weird line to walk, right? So on one hand, I will run through a fricking wall for my boss, right? You need me to come in, I'm happy to come in. But I know I just came in this weekend to get this big project out and we don't have anything going on this week. I'm gonna be taking Thursday and Friday off just because I'm gonna get my time back or I'm gonna work out some other way so that I'm not feeling like I am being taken advantage of. And sometimes it's not like tick for tack, right? So if I come in and I work eight hours, maybe I'm not gonna get eight hours back, right? Maybe I'll just get four hours or something like that. But I'm making the conscious effort or decision to give my time or put in extra work or whatever it happens to be. You just have to be very clear with what it is that you're looking for. Like I don't work Sundays ever. That's just not what I do. That is a really important time for my relationship. We also have date nights on Wednesday evening, so I'm gone at 6 p.m. And I had that conversation with my boss before I even started. But that is something that like we just talk about, and she knows, and if it's 5:58 on a Wednesday, she will sometimes come out of her office and be like, "What are you still doing here?" It's that sort of communication, and then just that sort of expectation. It's not a flippantness. It's not aI'm not doing that. it's just listen, what do we need to do so that I can have this Wednesday and I can have this Sunday off regardless of the storm? Because there's always going to be a storm. There's always going to be another proposal. There's always going to be something else. And at the end of the day, if I walked outside tomorrow and I got hit by a bus, the PCL machine would keep going. People would be sad for a couple of days. I like to think that maybe they'd be sad for a little bit longer, but they would keep the train going. So I'm going to look at that through my life. I'm not going to give a piece of myself at the, at the expense of my relationship or my happiness. I think it's really important to just know yourself, know what you're looking for, know what's right for you, and then manage that conversation or those conversations accordingly.
0: Love it. I know that you've held a number of positions and you've climbed very quickly in this industry. What would you tell another marketer just entering this industry, or what do you wish you would have known when you started?
1: Well, when you're first starting out, you're judged very much on your tactical ability, your technical ability, right? If you're a project engineer, can you work in Excel? If you're a marketer starting out, do you know how to use InDesign? Can you just speak the language? The most important thing for me is figuring out if there is a person, an advocate, or a mentor at the firm that you're at that can provide the guidance that you're going to need to move through your career. Because I guess the thing for me that is the most frustrating is when I don't have anyone to teach me because I'm a learner. If I'm not learning my mind gets bored. And then if I'm bored, I'm not engaged in my work. And if I'm not engaged in my work, then I can't do it with excellence. And if I'm not going to do it with excellence, I don't even want to do it. So for me, it's making sure that you have someone around you or preferably people around you that can help you manage your craft, can help you explore future opportunities, can help you think beyond the immediate six months, year, and look at the five year, the ten year. Figure out how to get you where you want to be long term. I would say that's hands down the most important thing. And then network because you never know where an opportunity is going to lead you. You never know where a handshake is going to lead you. And I'll tell you one quick story. Like the the, the reason that I have the job that I have right now is because of my network. I was involved in SNPS, like immediately after i joined the industry because the firm that i joined i was the only marketer and i learned very quickly that there wasn't anyone around me to teach me so i joined SNPS. right lots of educational opportunities lots of people that do what you do every single day and they can help you so i was probably in my second year as treasurer on the board no one wanted to do money so that's something i a space that i'll play in happily and <laughs> I was interested in joining a new firm, a large architecture firm, and I had a fantastic relationship with my boss at the time, but you know, when you're changing jobs, you can't use your, your boss as a reference because then you kind of showed your hands. So I had two really good references and I needed a third, and I was like, okay, who's going to be my third reference, who's going to be my third reference, and I was like, oh. You know, I could probably ask Fawn. She's a member of the board. She was president-elect at the time, and we had worked together several years, and I was like, hey, Fawn, can you – I know we haven't worked in a professional role together, but we've worked on the board enough, and you're going to be president. Would you mind being a a reference for me? I'm trying to – Get a marketing manager job and she looked at me and she said absolutely Damien, i will absolutely do that for you i'll give you a great reference and then she immediately turned around and said but i don't think you're going to be happy there and if you're open to it i would love it for you to come work for me at pcl and i looked at her because i knew pcl through industry events and losing to them before and i knew that they were a beast of a company and i was like oh, well i didn't realize that pcl was hiring and she said well the position's not up. I'm going to be posting it in a couple of weeks, but I'd actually love for you to you know, come in and interview if you're interested in, in it. And one thing led to another. You know, three weeks later, I was starting a job here. So uh, it was a job that wasn't posted. No one even knew about it. I didn't compete against anyone for it. And it was offered to me. Of course, I had to go through the interview process, but just by like having a network and knowing that Fawn's decision to interview me was a result of all of those interactions that we had for years through the board that there weren't any opportunities at stake, right? They were just, we were working together and she liked the way that I handled business and she applied how I handled business in that world to what I could do in the professional world. And that just... I think that's that little story showcases that you never know where an opportunity or a handshake is going to lead you. So make sure that there is congruence in your brand, that there is congruence in how you act and, and how you are in one setting is how you are in another, because you never know where that opportunity is going to lead you.
0: I love that story because I have actually a similar story that you're involved in that you may not have known about. I came back from PRC, that conference that I saw you at, that I took your picture, and my manager came up to me and said, hey, do you know of anyone who might be looking maybe in the senior level? And I was like, you know, I met this guy at PRC. Here's his photo. He's amazing. I can't remember his name. Let me talk to Angela who is up in the Sacramento chapter, who actually introduced the two of us. And I got in touch with Angela and she's like, you know, he just accepted a job at PCL. It's <laughs> <laughs> <was> like, no. <laughs> so in another life, we could have been co-workers, Damien.
1: <laughs> that's just, that's an awesome story. And You know, I don't think that that's unique to me, right? I think that there are people every single day that experience this sort of phenomenon of when you really just, I do believe, I'm going to go a little woo-woo energy here for a moment, but I do believe that when you have a crystal clear vision of what you're trying to accomplish and you're doing the hard work and you're putting yourself in a position or in the spaces for opportunity to find you, the universe really does reward that behavior you get what you're looking for.
0: Definitely. Now, I did just want to touch on your presidency, if we could, real quick. I know that you've accomplished a lot. The LA chapter is pretty massive. What are you most proud of? And what opportunities have you seen given to you because you're president? So I'll give you an example real quick. When I was president, I know that I Where I was at in my career, I would not have had the opportunity to manage as many people. And so being president gave me that experience. Do you have something similar?
1: You know, I think... Let me break those questions apart. I I think the thing that I am probably most proud of, it's twofold. One, it is... like let's just remember that we're in COVID times, right? So my right. presidency, it has been kind of like a weird- Hijacked presidency.
0: a little bit. <laughs> uh,
1: a little bit hijacked, right? The thing that I'm most proud of is, again, two things. The first is the collaboration amongst the four Southern California chapters. I knew coming into my presidency that I wanted to have a relationship with each of the three sister chapters because we're in this unique geographic situation where if this wasn't COVID time the person could be in oc in the morning they could be in la in the afternoon and then go home to inland empire that's just the way that our geography here in southern california works so i felt like we were missing an opportunity right between the four chapters there's almost a thousand members and an SMPS is only 7,000 members large. So for me, it was like if the SMPS, one of the strategic visions was to have a consistent SMPS experience from chapter to chapter, well, then Southern California could be a leader in kind of creating that consistent experience and working together to put on programs like the Danielle Gray tour that she did last year where individually maybe we couldn't afford it, but together we could put on something that would be a benefit to all of our members. And throughout both my PE year and my presidency year, that has been a main focus for me. And it's exciting now to see the other members of the board as I'm sunsetting on my presidency, I'm seeing them initiate it completely outside of me right so our education chairs are linking up and they're having calls our programs people are working together our communication teams are promoting events that otherwise you know they don't have any skin in the game but they're just promoting them just to have that sisterhood that the camaraderie of hey i'm going to help you even though i'm not going to benefit from this our membership will so I'm going to help spread your message because I know it's going to be a value to our members. So that's super exciting for me. And then watching the up-and-coming board members, right? You hit on something very important, and it's like for a lot of board members, especially the younger ones, this may be their first time either in a leadership role overseeing multiple people, or maybe it's not their first leadership role, but it's a different leadership role, and that. Managing someone when you don't have authority over them is a whole different game than managing your employee, right? They have a vested interest in making sure that they do what you ask them to do because it's affecting their paycheck. Board members are volunteers, right? Committee members are volunteers. And managing a group of volunteers is a completely different game. And I feel like there was a bunch of lessons that I've learned from that experience. It's exciting for me to now watch other younger board members come up and kind of have those same experiences. And then you have the third part of your question was, what opportunities have I had? I'm not completely clueless to the fact that I'm usually one of the youngest people in the room, right, at PCL yeah. if I'm in a management meeting, I'm probably five to 10 years younger than anyone else in there. So I will say that, you know, if I look at my career, and it has been pretty quick, not only being president, but being a CPSM, it's given a a level of credibility to my profession. You know, I'm not just someone who got into a lucky job. It's like, no, I studied really hard. I have a command of my craft. I've been selected by a group of 160 some marketers and business developers to lead a chapter. So there's a bit of credibility that comes along and it's not just this young, pretty face. (laughs) Love
0: it. All right, well thank you so much, Damien, for chatting with us. I really appreciate you taking the time and I hope our listeners learned a little something.
1: I hope so too. Thank you for the invitation and I hope you have a great rest of your day.
0: Thank you very much. All right, Marketeers, that is a wrap on this week's episode. I hope if you hadn't heard that interview before that you enjoyed it and if this is the second time around listening to it that you picked up on something new, As always, if you're enjoying this podcast, I would invite you to subscribe so that you never miss an episode. New episodes are released every other Wednesday. Chat soon.